Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome back to the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I appreciate you taking some time today. Before we dive in, I do want to do what I have to do every single week and just remind you that what you're about to hear today shouldn't be considered individual investment advice, but instead just my thoughts and our firm's thoughts on what's going on in the market and the economy today. If you'd like to discuss how this relates to your individual portfolio, I'd encourage you to give us a call. So we are back. Been away for a couple weeks here. I appreciate your patience. We had the whole crew, myself, and both the Kleist brothers on the road here for the last week. And so it's been hard to be able to sit down and do this, but a lot has been happening since we were gone, so there should be a lot to tear into today. The first thing I want to tackle is a story that the financial services industry, i.e. guys like me, have been telling investors, i.e. you, for many, many years. And it is one that is meant to convey safety and confidence. It's one that countless investors have bought into to build quote-unquote secure retirements. And it's one that just hasn't been true for a very, very long time. And that is the story of bonds. And one of the reasons I hate the podcast is because it's not a visual medium, but if you could see the chart that we have in our weekly insight memo, which is linked in the show notes, what you would see is a chart of AGG, that is the U.S. Aggregate Bond ETF. And what you would see is that over 20 years, the index of the aggregate bonds in the United States is down 8.1% over 20 years. But Andrew, you're saying that at one of the worst times for bonds. Bond yields have been skyrocketing. Prices have been cratering for the last several weeks or months. That can't possibly have always been true with the index, right? Well, if you go back and look at the peak of the index, which happened in 2021, which you'll find is the index at the time was up about 17%. That is less than 1% a year over that time period. That's tragic. It's something that just shows that bonds have not worked for a very, very long time. And equities, bluntly, have been the only game in town for the better part of a generation. Now, that hasn't necessarily been horrible news. We've experienced a period of easy money here that has generated unprecedented wealth in our country. One need only look at what cheap mortgage rates did to allow people to grow wealth in home equity. And it's made a significant impact on retirement savings. The growth in retirement plan balances over the last decade has been substantial. If you look 10 years ago in Q2 of 2013, the average IRA balance was $80,000. The average 401k balance was $80,000. Today, they're 114 and 112,000 respectfully. That is a substantial growth over the last decade. But the amount of wealth lost by retirees as they look to quote unquote get more conservative by switching into bonds has been significant as well. And right now those losses are being magnified, especially in the last week. Charles Schwab has a strategist by the name of Jeffrey Kleintop, and he noted something in a tweet last week, or I'm not sure, are we supposed to call them an X now? I'm not sure what it is. But I'm going to read his tweet to you. He says, bonds.com, question mark, U.S. Treasury bonds, the biggest and deepest market in the world that mature in 10 years or more, have slumped 46% since peaking in March of 2020, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. That's just shy of the 49% plunge in U.S. stocks in the aftermath of the dot-com bust at the turn of the century. 
and he includes the chart of 10-year treasuries, and it looks pretty bloody. It's also important to understand, though, that this does have an impact on equities. One of the things we look at regularly is what's called the equity risk premium, the ERP. And the ERP is a measurement of equity earnings minus the 10-year treasury yield. And that number skyrocketed after 2008 when we got into this period of easy money. Low interest rates and profitable companies meant there was a lot more value in equities than investors could find for bonds. You are being paid very, very well to take risk in equities. But today, today that spread is narrowing rapidly. There is still a premium for equities, Unlike, for example, the dot-com bubble, when it burst, the spread went to zero. But that spread, that premium, is narrowing very quickly. Here's the problem with markets, though. Once a trend starts, the assumption becomes that it is going to continue unabated forever, right? This time, it's different. How many times have we heard that? Easy money from 2008 to 2021. Folks thought it was never going to end. Higher interest rates from the Fed today. Same thing. If you look at what the expectations are from the Fed over the next year, two years, three years, the Fed themselves don't think it's going to change for a while. But I would remind you that's the same group that in December of 2021 said they were only going to raise rates by 75 basis points in 2022. Well, they raised them by 475 basis points. It's never actually true that things continue infinitely out into the future. And while I can't tell you when rates are going to come back down, they undoubtedly will. And when that happens, when that happens, the value of 10-year treasuries yielding nearly 5%, they closed at 4.78% on Friday, the value of those treasuries is going to skyrocket. Bond investments may look dicey in the short term right now, but long term, the potential upside is significant. And that is why you are going to see us continue to play in this space in portfolios. Now let's move on from that. We're going to talk about world events a little bit because world events do matter. You know, the U.S., we're the Hulk of economies. U.S. consumer spending all by itself is larger than the GDP of any other country in the world. Our GDP per capita is 56% higher than the next highest ranked G20 country. And our GDP in 2023, which is expected to be nearly $27 trillion, is the same size as the number three through number 11 ranked countries combined. Only China is close and they're at about $19 trillion. So it shouldn't be surprising that we tend to get wrapped up in what's happening inside our own sandbox. But this weekend, we got an excellent reminder that what's happening outside our borders is equally important. Our global economy is so interconnected that an event halfway around the world can ripple to our shores very, very quickly. And that brings us to the Hamas attack on Israel. It's awful. It's disgusting. But the question for this podcast is, is it going to impact our economy? Directly? Not really. In 2021, we exported just $12.8 billion in goods to Israel, and we imported from them just $18.7 billion. That is a blip in our economy. To put the size in perspective, the student loan payments that are getting turned back on comes to about $14 billion per month. So in a whole year, we're exporting $12.8 billion worth of goods to Israel. Not a big deal to the economy. But the impact on the region? The impact on the region may be massive. Israel was finally getting close to a peace deal with the Saudis. That is inevitably going to get backburnered right now. Hamas is a proxy for Iran, so that's going to ramp up tensions between Tehran and Israel, between Tehran and the rest of the world. And all of this is going to impact the region's number one export, which, as we all know, is oil. 
Now, oil futures peaked in September at roughly $94 a barrel. By Friday, that number had fallen more than 13% to $81.28. Demand was fading. As the economy was starting to slow down a little bit, demand for oil was fading and supply was starting to increase. An article on oilprice.com on Friday afternoon deemed the idea that we would get to $100 oil, quote, firmly out of reach. That was good news. It is good news for our ongoing battle against inflation. You'll recall that all items inflation had risen over the last two months. It went from 3 to 3.7, and that was almost entirely on the back of rising oil prices. CPI expectations for this week's report, which is coming out on Thursday, have that number retreating back to 3.6%, and that's all coming because of falling oil prices. $80 oil would have accelerated that process and would help us move forward on beating inflation. But wars in the Middle East have a funny way of driving up oil prices. The current thinking is that this is not going to have much of an immediate impact since Israel directly and Palestine directly are not significant oil producers. But how is Israel going to respond? It's hard to imagine they're not going to hold Iran at least partially responsible for the now more than 700 Israeli citizens who were killed in the attacks. Iran is a big producer of oil. That's where they get most of their revenue. And how is the rest of the Arab world going to respond? Are they going to pick a side? Is that going to impact oil production? All of those are things that we don't know the answer to. As of the recording of this podcast, oil futures are up, but they're not up dramatically. But this is going to be a big one to watch in the coming days and weeks. Rising oil means rising inflation. Rising inflation means higher interest rates. Higher interest rates, you know the story. Higher likelihood of a recession, etc., etc. We may be the Hulk in the world, but these things... These things that to us may seem small and inconsequential, they do matter and they can impact our economy. So we're going to have to pay very, very close attention to what happens in the coming weeks. So we'll wrap it up there. As always, I appreciate you joining us. If you have any additional questions, I'd encourage you to give us a call here at the office at 515-273-1333, or you can always visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a great week and we look forward to touching base with you again soon. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.